Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 128th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in cold, snowy, miserable Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. Actually, I'm great. My hands are so dry that I'm literally bleeding um, that's on, a, on my show notes. That's a problem. Because my <laughs> hands are so dry. I need some lotion up in here. But other than that, I'm all right. I'm, I've never heard of that, to be honest with you. Have you really not? Like It happens to me pretty much every, every winter around this time where it's been cold for several months and it's so brutally cold outside that if i'm out if i'm out there for 60 seconds yet you love winter it has its perks (laughs) not necessarily that oh okay (laughs) um kyle do we need to do a quick post-mortem on the kansas city chiefs do you need to let everybody know you're okay yeah i'm okay guys i appreciate everyone's concern uh that was I was that was a pretty rough night. I'm not gonna lie. That was a brutal game. Uh, the the Buccaneers had a fantastic game plan. Man, they just like the the defensive line was was so good, just like we thought they could be against the Chiefs O line. They sat in the too high safety all night and took away Patrick Mahomes. And uh, hopefully they didn't just design a blueprint of how to beat the Chiefs, but hopefully the Chiefs will be a little bit better with at full strength. But Well, yeah, if the you, blueprint is hope their offensive line play is horrendous. I suppose, then yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to have the defensive line to even make that work. Yeah, yeah the Tampa's defense line just is scary. There and, yeah. yeah, and they, they got some guys back that, that hadn't that had been hurt for a little bit and stuff. So um, they were – the Bucks are way more physical. They had a good game plan. Tom Brady, i I, I got to respect him. He's obviously a legend. Uh, Did you see a stat? Um, I heard that Patrick Mahomes ran around for like over 400 yards in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And, and that then was literally, the most of any quarterback this whole season. And then literally like two days later, he has like surgery to repair his turf toe, which he says didn't bother him. So so my wife, Emily, who doesn't know a whole lot about football, especially, yeah, well, she doesn't know a whole lot about football. Uh, she like looked at me one time during the second half and she's like, why is he just running everywhere like that? <laughs> like, he doesn't want to. I can promise you. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I was like, watch it. Like, what's he supposed to do? And she was like, they're just like getting to him like yeah. immediately. And I was like, yep, that's yeah. bad offensive line. <laughs> yep. Uh, invest in your offensive line, folks. Uh, Chiefs probably need to draft some O line, and they probably need to draft. I don't know, like a linebacker or something. Just. I think this game, and honestly, the Super Bowl last year was a pretty good example of like you got to win in the trenches. And uh, the Chiefs were lucky to escape last year with a win, I think. And at t- it looked pretty, uh, pretty dim at times, even last year against the 49ers, because they were just a lot better than us in the trenches. So, uh, it's important, man. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, kind of boring, but you really need it. Was that the worst game? The worst Chiefs game under oh yeah with, with Patrick Mahomes not as quarterback. even remotely close. Yeah. I, I think they said in the broadcast Patrick Mahomes has never lost by in delta, double digits ever uh, before wild. that game, which is wild and uh, especially with how many double digit. Yeah, that's crazy that he's like never lost by double got digits. More but double have, digit comebacks yes. than he does double yeah. digit losses. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, I think they'll be okay as long as he's a quarterback. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I think yeah. they'll be just fine. Uh, well, we've got a lot of Mizzou basketball to talk about. No news, uh, but before we jump in, 
to a recap of the Alabama game. Need to uh, remind everyone, check us out on YouTube. Uh, for the YouTube viewers, you're seeing us at a new angle this week. <laughs> we just <laughs> tweaked it a little bit. <laughs> And uh, hopefully everything's looking good. If you you want if you're just listening, you better go check out the new angle. See what you think. Don't don't hype it up too much. <laughs> it's new to everyone. Uh, also, don't forget we have a Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/MissouriSportsPod. There's several tiers to choose from to support us. If you would like, we would appreciate it. Lots of perks that come along with that. So check that out, Patreon.com/slash/MissouriSportsPod. Kyle, Mizzou beat Alabama, not in overtime. That got left over on the show notes from last week. Uh, 68 to 65. Now, they've done it to us once again where they've won the big game over the weekend and lost a little bit of a downer game uh, right before the podcast. So we're going back in time to the, uh, the big upset win. Yeah, even the win didn't leave us with a great taste in our mouth. True. It could have gone a little bit better there in the second half. Um, but you got to think about, okay, if this was just a neck and neck game the whole time, then we'd be ecstatic. (laughs) Um, so yeah, just to run through it real quick, Mizzou jumped out to a, um, used a 12 2 run, jump out to a 31 15 lead. Um, and they led for most of the second half and it was like around 20, uh, for the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and even with six minutes left, the score was 64 44. But then Alabama went on a 21-2 run to make it a one-point game. Missouri scored just six points in the final nine minutes of the game. Yeah, clearly uh, the let's run out the clock strategy was in full effect, and we've seen so many times before how that can burn a team. And I I don't know, man. Like Clearly you've been in control of the game the whole time. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, but I think they were just trying to get out of there with a win and started a little bit too early. Yeah, so do you remember when Drew Smith made a layup and got fouled? Um, and there was a little bit of what I would call a celebration happening on the court. <laughs> and now it just so happened that the camera was zoomed in and caught it, but... He was like chest bumping with yeah. uh, like Mark Smith or something. Yeah, and there was a lot of smiles going on, and it just seemed like... A I, I too thought early. I thought in that moment that seems like a little uncharacteristic of Drew Smith to be you know this happy about how things are going with you know ten minutes left in the game and sure enough that was when Missouri just went cold and Alabama started their comeback and I, I would I'm sure some of our listeners saw the same thing and just like oh they're really happy right now and then that was the beginning of the end almost literally Missouri didn't do anything to win this game in the final minutes like they just held on for dear life and uh they alabama just wasn't quite able to complete the comeback i mean there was nothing like missouri didn't wake up at any point and go like oh no we're just gonna win this game i mean it took every second basically and alabama just wasn't quite able to make it happen it was actually uh they somebody made a bet on the side of the line like if we Stop scoring right now. Yeah. Are we still going to win? Catch us up? Could yeah. they even catch up? They, yeah. they, won't even, they won't even win, even if, we, even if we didn't score for the last seven minutes of the game. And then they actually decided to like carry out the bet and see what <laughs> would happen. Um, yeah, th- it was just crazy, especially considering who Alabama is and like what they're capable of and how they score and how streaky they can be. 
you kind of felt like that run was coming, uh, maybe not to that extent, but I just kept thinking like they're, they're going to make like four threes in a row at some point, and we are just have to be able to withstand that. And thank God we were up by literally 22 points. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was like the threshold was yeah. 22 points that we had to be up by basically to, to be able to win that game. Well, and that's the crazy thing. Alabama got hot down the stretch there, especially those last 10 minutes, and they still shot 32% from two and 36% from three on the game. So their shooting before that was just abysmal. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't make anything. And um, Missouri's defense was incredibly solid mm-hmm. for the vast majority of the game. Yeah, they guard the perimeter really well. And that was kind of a prediction that I made for Missouri. In the the blueprint of how to beat Alabama was you had to guard the perimeter and Honestly, as much as hate, uh, as much hate as Mark Smith gets, a lot of the times he's a great perimeter de- yeah. defender. That's why he's still in there when he's not uh, hitting shots, is because he can just lock a guy down. Yeah, especially in, he's an excellent off-ball defender. Yeah. Um, but it always did seem like it was just a matter of time before Alabama would start start making some shots because they typically make con- contested shots. And there was one in particular when John Petty got the ball and he just beelined for the three-point line and drained it and i was like "Uh uh-oh like they are in a little bit desperation mode here which means they're probably going to start sending some pressure and they're gonna um just be they're gonna have no fear at this point Mm -hmm. because they're just looking for a comeback and when a team is mounting a comeback and makes it close they're so dangerous and i feel like the winning team at that point and unfortunately we've seen it so many times with missouri where it just looks like they completely panic yeah it's like and nothing to lose yeah. might as well just start firing up threes right and so missouri is like you know are we really going to throw this game away and just like every turnover there in the last 10 minutes just seemed like inevitable just this is happening again yeah it really was i was like I, you've got to be kidding me um yeah Alabama started going on that run, and I remember at the beginning of their run, I started thinking, like, oh, come on. Like, this is going to make our Kim Palm stats yeah. look worse. Like, that's yeah. actually a thought that goes through my head. Like, yeah. oh, come on. Like, we're only going to win by 10 now. Like, right. we could have gotten that huge Kim Palm boost. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, we're going to lose yeah. this game <laughs> if they keep doing this. And it's just uncanny the way, like, you, you think to yourself, like, okay, if they just run the shot clock all the way down and don't get any points the rest of the, the, rest of the way – like surely they they can't come all the way back, but that's not how it goes. You literally end up turning the ball over, you know, with half the shot clock down, and there goes an extra, you know, fifteen seconds that you could have run off the clock. And it seems so crazy to be thinking about it in terms of like fifteen seconds. But mm-hmm. when a team is trying to come back from that far down, they need every second they can get. So if you can just milk a little bit more of the shot clock before you turn the ball over. <laughs> That makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you got a 22-point lead, yeah, you really almost don't even have to score. Just right. milk a clock. But they couldn't. They just can't do that sometimes. Yeah. Just, they can't help but turn the ball over. Man. And they just get, you know, spun up a little bit where the defense is pressuring them and just easy to make bad decisions. When Alabama went into the full-court press, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, well, no. Missouri has been horrible at like getting out of the press in the past i think they've gotten a lot better at it but maybe what two or three seasons ago there was a it was like death automatic yeah. death yes <laughs> um, yeah it seems like penson is pretty capable of breaking a press typically and uh i don't think 
I can't remember a specific turnover that was on him specifically late in this game. Um, I remember one on Drew for sure. Yeah. He got the ball stolen away. And it feels like Mark is always good for one of those, especially when he starts driving the baseline. Um, yeah, that was just brutal watching that unfold. And uh, so funny story. I actually already told you guys this, but I think it's a funny story that the folks will uh, enjoy. And my grandma, if she happens to listen to this. But so uh, who was shooting? Somebody, Drew Smith. I don't know. Drew or Mark, I can't remember, was shooting free throws late and missed i think mark missed the front end of a one-on-one yes Mm -hmm. and my uh, my grandma calls me my phone rings my grandma i'm like okay well i'll call her back there's like 12 seconds left in this game i'll call her back so after the game was over i call her back and she says oh yeah i just wanted to talk to you about the game and how crazy it was that he missed the front end of the one-on-one and i was like really (laughs) like you wanted to talk me through that in the moment you wanted to talk about this and when i was like having a heart attack that (laughs) You know, and I was like happy to talk to her all about it after it was over, win or lose. But like in that moment, I was like, and it didn't help that I was actually watching on my phone. So that was never going to be possible. Yeah. But I've always uh, thought about being a coach, like in those in-game situations where you have you have to like be rational with your team and draw up a play and like know the correct play for the moment and like i'm watching this game from afar i'm literally just an innocent bystander not even involved uh my my job status is not on the line whatsoever or anything and i I, my brain won't even function i'm just like i can't even think right now i just have to stand here and like put my arms above my head and just hope for the best try not to pass out yes that's like all i'm capable of doing in some of those like in-game moments i'm just like always amazed at like what they can draw up and stuff and yeah how they can communicate with their team about what needs to be done right but scary i and honestly like alabama could have so easily won this game too like they uh had a really nice play design out of a timeout where i can't remember who it was it might have been herb jones but somebody caught the ball around the free throw line and beat their defender and got it a wide open layup basically and missed it and i think that was maybe their second to last possession mm-hmm. and that would that would probably would have put alabama in front if he would have make that if he makes that layup mm-hmm. And then, of course, at the end, uh, another great great save by Mitchell Smith to block the shot there. But uh, it's been pretty highly debated um, online whether or not that was a foul on Drew Smith there. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, if I'm being completely honest, if it was the other way around, I would have definitely wanted that to be called a foul if Missouri was the one with the ball there. Yeah, and that's that very last play where was that herb jones that was putting up that shot at the very end Uh, i can't remember the shot that got blocked by mitchell smith yeah mitchell smith obviously his action was totally clean totally clean but drew smith was the first one to get there and there was definitely some contact contact there but yeah Uh, i've listened to some national pundits that definitely said that a foul probably should have been called i definitely want that if it's the other way around yeah i in the moment i really didn't notice it because the block is what caught my eye right but looking back i i probably could say i could probably see how that's a foul for sure so missouri in this game was three for 20 from three for uh anybody that's not a math minor uh that's 15 percent. it's it's honestly insane how they pulled this game out with just knowing some they some only got to the free like throw that. line 14 times nine for 14 they out rebounded them by quite a bit um yeah it's just alabama just couldn't make anything for three quarters of the game yeah 
and you just it's hard to come back from something like that. Yeah, they missed a lot of bunnies in this game. A lot of layups. And the refs were letting a lot of stuff go, especially in the first half, I noticed. And that, we'll talk about that some with the next game as well, but I can't figure out where I come down on the officiating for Missouri because they, they definitely benefit from, on the defensive end, now this may be just like totally common sense, duh, but they definitely benefit from uh, whistles not being blown because I think they do rely on a little bit of contact around the rim to make people uncomfortable and get that shooting percentage really low. And there's plenty of times when the refs just aren't calling much where I'm like, ooh, that could have been a foul. Ooh, that could have been a foul. I'm almost expecting it sometimes, and it's not. And then on the other end, our guards really struggle to score with a lot of contact in the lane. So um, if it's going to go that way, I used to think I wanted it called a little bit tighter because I thought Missouri's perimeter defense was still good enough and their free throw shooting would just carry them if it ended up being a... That was last year's strategy. Exactly. But apparently that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, when we get to the Ole Miss game. But, um, yeah, I, I think Missouri has proven, though, that they can do it either way. If it's being called tight, they can still try to get to the free throw line. Um, if it's if they're not really calling a whole lot, then they will just have elite um, interior defense, you know, the best, uh, you know, right up there with anybody else. How many times, uh, if Missouri and Alabama played ten times on a neutral floor, how many times does Missouri win in that? Uh, I say four. Yeah, on a neutral court. Yeah, that seems about right. I would say, honestly, both of these teams are probably have been better at different times mm-hmm. this season. I, I feel like both of these teams have kind of been squeaking by a little bit. Obviously, Mizzou <laughs> was uh, played terribly the other night against Ole Miss, but Alabama squeaked a close one out against South Carolina, I think. and so Yeah, Missouri very well should have lost to TCU yeah and then obviously they had the win uh, against Kentucky which was great but I mean like none of their wins have even looked good in the last their last three or four wins yeah. haven't, haven't looked if good. you flip TCU and Alabama you're looking at uh, four of their last five being yeah. losses yeah it's just so crazy how razor thin the margins are mm-hmm. in college basketball for sure in sports in general uh, so after that win, well, let's talk about uh, some stats real quick. Drew Smith, uh, great game, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Kobe Brown, uh, he's really coming on strong late in the, in the second half of the season, mm-hmm. which is what you need because that's when, you know, it seems like every year Missouri has a player or two that just kind of start to fade as the season winds down. Uh, but Kobe's doing the opposite so far. He had 13 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks. Uh, Missouri did jump a few spots in Ken Palm to 29th, and they were 22nd on Bart Torvik. But they undid it all by uh, <laughs> basically just not showing up to play against Ole Miss. I mean, uh, I have written here, this was just an old-fashioned beatdown. Pretty much. They they were competitive early. Um, it was kind of back and forth for most of the first half, but then with about three minutes left in the first half, Ole Miss started a run. They just started making everything, yeah. and they went on this run that went from the first half well into the second. Ended up being a seventeen to two run, 
and at that point they just never looked back I mean there was there was no comeback for Missouri like Alabama tried to have I mean yeah um yeah at the beginning of this game was really entertaining it looked like had the makings of being an awesome game like Drew Smith was was going off and we were having a really nice interior battle with Romella White and Jeremiah Tillman and both two of the best bigs in the SEC honestly um, just kind of going at it which interestingly enough both of those guys ended up being non-factors for their teams or White was in foul trouble Tillman was just ineffective and only shot like four times from the field and missed a ton of times at the free throw line so yeah. both of those guys were pretty inconsequential and uh yeah then I, I don't I don't know why that keeps happening but you know TCU we saw that happen um obviously Ole Miss like way above their normal offensive production just starts just started going off and it seemed like at least at first it wasn't even really from three it seemed like they were really killing us from mid-range which is uh reminiscent of the Mississippi State game so it's like teams that have a strong mid-range game are especially I don't know effective against us for some reason yeah this now this game surpasses the TCU game as being the worst uh defensive effort for Missouri when you strictly look at uh points given up per possession which that's kind of like the go-to metric for any given game, uh, how well your team's performing. Um, Ole Miss shot 70% from two, and plenty of those were not at the rim. Plenty of those, yeah, plenty of those were not what I would deem good shot selection, but it just didn't matter. And after a while, they started raining threes, too. I mean, they were just throwing stuff up that was, you know, not, not getting their feet set. It seemed like they were decently defended, and it was just—it was all going in. Yeah. Do you remember at one point the announcers were remarking at the fact that Missouri had matched their season average in made threes per game at six? Yeah. Well, then they they jinxed it. Yeah, they made two from there from there on. (laughs) So, um, which actually, from three-point shooting, it wasn't a bad performance for Missouri. Uh, Eight of nineteen—that's doable. Um, And I can't even. Yeah. I mean, they got uh, 0.95 points per possession, which is not awful. Um, yeah, they still shot Ole well. Miss was at 1.29. Yeah. They still shot well from the field. Obvi- uh, honestly, outside of free throw shooting, they, offensively, I feel like they probably played well enough to win if they played defense as well as they typically do. Uh, they had a they had a fine offensive night. Uh, I think what really hurt us was uh, on offense was. Uh, the bad free throw shooting and the lack of free throw shooting. Uh, I don't even think Drew Smith or Xavier Pinson sh- attempted a free throw shot in this game. Correct. And so all of our free throws were getting shot by Jeremiah Tillman, which is not a good sign. Yeah, he shot six of the 15. And uh, I don't know. I mean, who else was shooting? Kobe shooting Brown throws? was 0 for 2. Uh, Mark Smith was 1 for 3. And then Mitchell Smith and Parker Brown were both 1 for 2. So that was I good for 5 for 15, also a, known as abysmal. 33%. This is awful. So, yeah. so bad. This is the same team that made, what, like 50-something free throws in a row last year yeah. and was the only thing we could do well and is now our, one of our worst qualities. And then and Mitchell Smith just gets the worst jinx I've ever heard in my life where the announcer said, like, well, here's the guy that's going to step up and knock two down. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, he shoots just under 90%. Like, He's confident. I'm confident. He's knocking these down, and he misses one. Like, <laughs> okay, like, can you calm down? Like, <laughs> like we're not doing so hot at free throws. You don't have to put any extra pressure on these guys. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like a 
I mean, obviously the effort wasn't wasn't there um, when it was there against Alabama just a few days before. Um, like the the effort for the loose balls, rebounds, blocking out, defense, all that stuff was just nowhere near what it was whenever we play a good team. There was one play in particular where um, Tillman was contesting a three-point shot and basically just after the shot went up, he just kind of ignored the guy that shot it. And I thought, that's going to – mid-flight, I thought – you're just asking for a long rebound right where the shot came from. And sure enough, if Tillman had just like even made some kind of effort to be in position for a rebound, he gets it. Yeah. Um, his guy didn't end up getting the ball, but it was right in that same area. And I just, it's those kind of plays. I mean, uh, Conzo Martin said, I don't, I don't have the exact quote, but something to the effect of some guys didn't give it their all. Some, we didn't show up. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, very specifically, has to be talking about Jeremiah Tillman and Xavier Pinson, yeah. both who are what the engine that makes this thing go, and they just neither of them seem to really be their normal selves at all. Yeah, I can't quite explain that. Perhaps uh, Tillman's free throw struggles were getting to him a little bit, and it kind of affected the rest of his game. But uh, yeah, sometimes when Missouri gets resistance on the inside, man, it just kind of can shut down their whole offense and. Sometimes they can shoot threes well enough to kind of make up for it, like they were at the beginning of the game. But if the three points shooting starts faltering, then you can just tell they don't know what to do sometimes. And Xavier stops trying to penetrate, and uh, Jeremiah stops getting looks at the basket, and that's kind of what happened last night. Yeah, and let's not forget that Ole Miss is 17th in the country in um, adjusted defensive yeah. efficiency. They're great on defense, and they clearly were trying to play defense. They were they were trying their best to stay in front of drivers all night and really making life difficult. And that makes it even more frustrating that Missouri had the offense to win this game. I mean, 59 points is not a lot, but when you just look at the shooting percentages and the points per possession – there's nothing to hate there outside of the free throw shooting, but they just they weren't getting the attempts for that to be the the complete game changer that it could have been. Yeah, the the rebounding was a struggle though. Um, got out rebounded by like fifteen, I think. Didn't help that they got what what his name KJ Buffin back. Yeah, and he course. was a dominant I mean, force. Like super happy for him that he got whatever he was struggling with figured out and able to contribute again for Ole Miss because he's a great player. But of course, it happens against Missouri. I, I he actually finished with exactly uh, twenty five minutes played, and I texted you at one point and was like, "Of course, we're going to get a solid twenty five minutes from KJ Buffin." But yeah, that I am more just happy for him that he is back to his old self because there was something wasn't quite right there for him for a little bit yeah honestly um Ole Miss was a team I thought coming into the season could be surprisingly good because they've added some good transfers they added Romello White who's a proven really strong player uh Jar- Jarkel Joyner was kind of the guy that killed us last night yeah. and I can't remember where he transferred from Jacksonville no that was somebody else uh Cal State Bakersfield okay so and he's a proven scorer from wherever he's coming from so They've kind of assembled some of the, some transfers with uh, Devontae Schuler, who's already a great scorer. And uh, sometimes those things just take time to develop some chemistry with some, with new guys playing together. And 
honestly, I kind of feel like Kermit Davis is a great coach who's kind of in a the perfect spot for him. He just kind of seems like a Southern uh, SEC kind of coach. And I don't know, man. Like, I think Ole Miss could honestly end up making a, a late push for the tournament this year. I, I think it's entirely possible. They've got a workable schedule uh, the rest of the way. They go at South Carolina, then uh, obviously Mizzou, and at Vanderbilt, and then they get Mississippi State and Kentucky at home. So it's it's doable. Um, we were talking last week about Auburn being like a dark horse uh, NCAA tournament candidate but obviously that's that can't happen because uh auburn did a self-imposed postseason ban we forgot about that yeah we forgot about that very important detail there for about an hour didn't we that they're not they are not allowing themselves to play in the postseason it does kind of stink for sharif cooper he's not gonna be able to play in the ncaa tournament i'm assuming he's gonna go straight to the nba the second the season is over you thought he already should have been in the nba (laughs) how's this guy not in the nba already (laughs) well that's not allowed yes uh but yeah uh, Mississippi or Ole Miss, they, I don't know. They They've got seem some pieces. Like they're the real deal, at least on, on defense. Could um, be pretty they, good if they. They really don't have any year. bad losses on the season. Their worst, the, their worst loss according to Ken Palm is, at home against Georgia, who is ranked 90th. Actually, they've lost to Georgia twice. So, uh, but no losses outside the top 100. Um, what, what's this deal with uh, midweek conference games at 8 p.m.? Okay, last night I was just watching this game. And I was like, it's something about these late night games where it's like in the middle of the week and it seems like we're on the road a lot for these. And I can remember it kind of dating back to last year a little bit where it was just like, I almost feel like as a fan just watching the game, I almost feel just kind of like, the game just doesn't seem to matter as much as some like a Saturday like primetime game or something but these midweek games on the road versus teams that aren't like power programs and are on the SEC network and these crappy announcers and like I'm just like I'm having a hard time getting up for this game as a fan I wonder if this is a thing for the players and then after after this has gone on for a while I kind of started uh, compiling what their actual record was in these games that started at exactly 8 o'clock in midweek like a tuesday or wednesday night game and i'm like wow i made it this discovery that missouri is awful absolutely <laughs> awful in these games and so this year they're 0 and 4 in those games uh that started exactly eight o'clock in, in the midweek and i'm trying to think i i believe it was home so that's that's all four of their conference losses all four of their losses yeah. total yes 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 have come uh with those exact stipulations <laughs> and uh that's Home against Tennessee, uh, it was the first conference game, uh, at Mississippi State, at Auburn, and then at Ole Miss last night. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, how long has this been a trend? So I looked at last year, too. Sure enough, last year we were 1-5 and five, um, in these kind of games. We had a loss at Mississippi State. We had a loss at A&M, which is a terrible loss. Right. I mean, excuse me, a loss home versus A&M mm. and on the road versus A&M, a loss at LSU, and a loss at Ole Miss. The only win was at Vanderbilt last year. So, one for nine. One for nine in the last. No, one two for seasons. ten. One and nine. One and nine. Wow. In the last two seasons. Uh, also, I remember, which this is a these are different players at this point, but 
a few years ago when the Michael Porter Jr. season, when we played in the, in the NCAA tournament against Florida State, it was like it was the game started at like nine o'clock at night. Do you remember that? It was like yeah. on the the second day of the first round, and it was like the very last game of the day. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like these late, late night games. It seems like it's just sucks the energy out of everybody. Well, I think you've definitely got a trend going here. Um, I'm I'm hesitant to go as far back as that Florida State <laughs> right, game. That but, doesn't matter. But <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Yeah. But, yeah, this is kind of nuts. Uh, like, and it's funny just, like, for the podcast. We're like, uh, of course, you know, we got to – they got to – uh, dampen everything right before we talk about them after coming off the big win because that uh, same thing happened with they beat Tennessee you know top 10 team you know everything is great and then lose to Auburn yeah so yeah what is the deal with that I don't know but I genuinely am afraid it's a little bit more than a coincidence at this point where I, I, I I'm talk about it all the time where I'm big on these intangibles where the the mental part of the game and the expectations that players have coming into the game and how they mentally prepare themselves play a massive role that kind of gets pushed under the rug and I think all of that kind of plays into it and road games are tough we know that and it's a long season and we've been playing for several months and guys are probably tired and tired of getting COVID tests and not being able to go out and do anything fun and it's just a grind and but I really do think that it has maybe something to do with with Missouri's performance at least a little bit so I'm just praying that we don't get a late night game for in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament need those prime time lots of yeah we need to like we need the pressure I guess like one o'clock game yeah or something I don't know it's pretty we wild. need that we I mean you you said it exactly right though I really do I think this Missouri team needs pressure I think they need to have their back against the wall they need to have a reason to play hard. They they have to be playing a good team or they have to be down big to somebody to mo- kick themselves into gear to get back because we've seen some great comebacks. We've seen them beat really good teams. I think they need a reason to play their best. And a lot of that is probably on the defensive end. Man, you're making a lot of sense here. <laughs> I'm just like looking back over the schedule. It's like Saturday against Illinois, obviously a huge game. Saturday against Arkansas on the road, huge game. Saturday against Tennessee, Saturday against Alabama. Wow. But I do think it is one thing to note is, again, I'm big on, like, I just, for whatever reason, road games seem to just, like, create this mental block in my mind. Like, this is going to be a really hard game to win if Mm -hmm. it's on the road. And for whatever reason, a lot of those midweek, late night games have fallen on the road uh, this year and last year. So. Man. Well. They've got an opportunity to do the exact same thing this coming week because we got Arkansas, huge game on Saturday, and then a road game against Georgia on Tuesday. What time is that? Oh, uh, let me check. I forgot forgot that the time matters. Uh, 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central. Oh, we're golden. (laughs) We're good. That's close enough to prime time that they're going to bring it. Uh, Well, this... The Arkansas game, they're going to have some pressure because coming off a loss, um, Arkansas is really good. It's a rally for Ryan game. Um, Which apparently matters also. I mean, they don't lose these. They don't lose. (laughs) It's going to happen at some point. It's going to be very sad. No, it's not. Okay. Um, Arkansas ranked 25th in Kempom. 
they are 40th on offense, 25th on defense. In just the SEC, they are 6th on offense and 3rd in defensive efficiency. Uh, they're 15-5 and five on, the, on the year, 7-4 and four in conference. They recently beat Mississippi State and Kentucky at Rupp Arena by one point, I think. Yeah, Arkansas is kind of the anti-Missouri a little bit where their resume i mean they have they have a good record but i feel like their resume isn't nearly as strong as missouri they don't they, have they the played, good wins they played nobody in yeah. non-conference they don't have the strong wins but the analytics love them for whatever reason um so it, it, i was astonished how this game went honestly the first time we played arkansas uh arkansas was real shot really poorly from two if i remember correctly and Insanely i just i don't expect horribly. that to happen again yeah arkansas shot 28% from two, 25% from three. They would have been better off literally taking all of their shots from three point. It's like the first good defense they faced all year and didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were undefeated coming into that game. Yeah. Um, I don't think Missouri ever trailed in that game. I think it was wire to wire. They won 81 to 68. Yeah. That was not. Tillman had 25 game. and 11. Um, Arkansas is still really good, though. I mean, you talked about their resume. Their their worst loss is to Missouri or maybe Oklahoma State. We'll see how it shakes out. But Oklahoma State is ranked 38th in Kempom, and that was a road game. Uh, Missouri 39th, and that was in Fayetteville. So those two right there. But that those are not neither one of those are bad losses. So if they can keep, let's say they lose to Missouri, but then they win the rest of the games that they're supposed to win, they'll have 19 wins on the season. They'll be right there. Uh, should pretty much be a lock for the NCAA tournament unless they kind of fall apart late. And that's the worrisome thing for them is if they do struggle down the stretch, they don't have any wins to hang their hat on from earlier in the season. Missouri is a lock for the NCAA tournament. They could almost lose the rest of their games and still be on the bubble. Yeah. They I think literally they only have to beat like two more teams the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, they really are pretty much a lock uh, just because their resume is so strong, but uh this game is just big for the SEC conference standings. I, I feel like last night's loss not only destroyed us in the analytics, but uh it kind of put us on a little bit of a level playing field with some of the teams that were behind us in the standings and yeah. we're right there with with LSU and Arkansas and just those are games we have to win especially in head to head we got to beat those teams yeah. um going back to like the first time Missouri played Tennessee uh they were ranked and uh I had I was watching that with some family members and they were like Missouri's supposed to be good this year <laughs> and I was like honestly at this point they could finish anywhere from second to seventh in the conference. And I, I think that's still the case. I mean, there is an absolute log jam right there. 100%. After, after Alabama. Yeah. They got to take care of business, especially at home against these kind of teams. They they really have to win this game uh, if they even want to consider getting a, a double bye. J.D. Note is who I was thinking of that transferred from Jacksonville. Okay. He's at Arkansas. I knew somebody transferred from Jacksonville. A lot of transfers in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the starting lineups uh, up and down the conference a lot of transfers obviously arkansas still has moses moody he is one of the best freshmen in the country one of the best players in the country um just a scoring machine he can 
knock down threes. He gets to the free throw line. He can drive and score. Um, he has some efficiency struggles, just like most freshmen do, um, but he he can score. And uh, Desi Sills is another guard. So those three guys, Note, um, Moody, and Sills, they kind of run the show for Arkansas. Um, and that, going back to that first game against Missouri, Tillman kind of had his way with Arkansas down low. Um, they do have the guy Vanover who will stretch the floor, although he did a horrendous job of that against Missouri the first time. I think he was like 0 for 9 from the field. Uh, so basically... Tillman didn't even have to worry about coming out to guard him at the three-point line. Was Arkansas missing a guy in this last matchup? I feel like one of their interior players, maybe. Yeah, Justin Smith, I think. Yes. Yeah. I'm assuming he's back now. I don't know how he's able to play college basketball after being an All-American at Mizzou and then like spending uh, 15 years in the NFL, but Justin Smith is apparently playing basketball for Arkansas. <laughs> that was a quality joke. That was a good one. Uh, you think Tillman's just going to be able to like get to work and do his thing this game? I think so. I, I think um, I'm not sure Arkansas has the has the horses inside to, to stop a, an effective Tillman if he's playing his best. Uh, again, here I go with my intangibles, my hypothetical intangible situations. Conza uh, going to get his boys back in, in shape after that rough loss, and uh, I think Missouri is going to be – with their back against the wall, I think they're going to play really well. I think Pinson and Tillman are going to get the connection going again. Yeah, for for as hot and cold as those two in particular can be from time to time, Tillman much more consistent this season than he ever has been before. Oh, but, by far. Um, they both seem to rise to the challenge. Uh, I think there's obviously some mutual respect there between them and Conzo where um, we've seen other players in – a similar position as Xavier Pinson wilt and just literally transfer out of the program. Whereas Pinson, it seems like he takes it in stride, but also um, can use that for fuel in the next game and come out strong. So yeah, I think, I think they'll be back uh, to their, to their normal thing. Now, if they can get back to normal and Drew Smith can be four for nine from three, then this team can beat anybody. I agree. But getting it all to come together at the same time has been a struggle so far. Yeah. You think Missouri wins this one? I think they win. Um, I think they win 78 to 70. I think Arkansas has – I think Arkansas will go on their runs, but I still think Missouri's perimeter defense – I think the perimeter defense will come back a little bit and will uh, will challenge those, those shooters – Man, it's hard to pick against a Rally for Ryan game, but I just feel like it's kind of a fluky deal that Missouri kind of just destroyed Arkansas in Fayetteville earlier in the season. And maybe it was just because it, it was the first like strong opponent Arkansas faced. Uh, since then, Arkansas, let's see, who have they beat since then? They have wins over Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Um, they lost to Tennessee. They lost to LSU. They lost to Alabama. They lost to Oklahoma State. So they still haven't really beaten anybody. Ole Miss is their best win on the season. Now they've got a chance here late to maybe 
get that corrected, they get to play Florida at home and Alabama at home and LSU at home. So they really are the anti-Missouri. They, they like yeah. they win exactly who they should beat and they lose to exactly who they should lose to. They win who they should beat. They win who they should beat and which is exactly what Missouri doesn't do. <laughs> oh man. Missouri is the hardest team to predict in the world. Okay, so last week I predicted that Missouri was going to you know, go on a nine-game winning streak if they could just beat Ole Miss. They couldn't do it. But that means I still have a five-game winning streak here. Arkansas all the way to Texas A&M. So I guess let's get it started off with a win. But I think it's going to be just razor just thin. I think it's going to be a struggle. Um, you said 78 to 70. I don't think either team scores 70. I think it's going to be 68 to 69. Missouri gets the win. I definitely think that is something that could happen is is Arkansas was embarrassed by their performance the first time around and kind of comes back with a with a fury, but hopefully not. Another just solid coach in the SEC, Eric Musselman. Yeah. Just every team just has a solid coach yeah. nowadays. <laughs> a lot of a lot of good coaches. Kind of frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then Missouri's going to go on the road and play Georgia on a Tuesday, but it's 5.30 p.m. Central Time. Totally not, different. Not uh, six, not 8 o'clock. So, That's uh, re- almost really early. That's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. Uh, Georgia, uh, 90th in Kempom, 67th on offense, 121 on defense, 7th in the SEC in offense, 13th in defense in the SEC. They are 12 and seven, all seven losses coming in conference play. So they're five and seven. They did, they do have a couple, four good wins here. They beat Cincinnati at home in the non-conference. They beat Auburn with Sharif Cooper. They beat Ole Miss and Kentucky both back in January, but they also lost to South Carolina in January. And they lost, uh, they, had, they started conference play 0 and 4, lot, losing to Mississippi State, LSU, Arkansas, and Auburn. Yeah, they've been really kind of all over the map this year. Um, they, like you said, I mean, they they really can kind of go up and beat really anybody. They've proved they can they can hang with some good teams, and they've had some really questionable losses that kind of make you shake your head. Yeah, they were pretty competitive against Florida in a loss. Um, took LSU to overtime in a loss. And uh, just uh, last night played a pretty close game with Tennessee. Yeah. So I think they're, they're maybe figuring some stuff out. Uh, Tom Crean's just another good coach. Uh, they don't have the number one draft pick this year, though. <laughs> um, their defense has some pretty glaring holes in it, though. Um, they are the worst team in the SEC at giving up offensive rebounds. So look for Missouri to take advantage of that. Uh, maybe a big night from Mitchell Smith, Kobe Brown with some putbacks. Uh, they are also the worst team in the conference at blocking their opponent's shot. So, hooray. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, maybe some success in the paint for Missouri and their like, guards that sometimes get their shot blocked. I wanted to see where that ranked. Yeah, yeah. So, offensive rebound percentage for their defense. Uh, 333rd in the country, which I think is actually last because it's counting some teams below them that haven't played games this year. Oh, really? Wow. that's So that's pretty close to that's dead last. pretty bad. 
and then uh, that block percentage uh, 304th also if you include non-conference they're 263rd in two-point field goal for field goal percentage defense hmm. so i think missouri might feast a little bit on this defense they um, haven't had a an opportunity like this since the tcu game and tcu has a better defensive efficiency than georgia i believe i'll double check that what do they do what do they do well on offense they don't uh, shoot a lot of threes do they no they're they're kind of just mediocre they turn the ball over um just about as much as missouri does um they their best stat on offense is their own offensive rebounding so it seems like they at least crash the the boards on one end hmm. um and their three-point percentage is 223rd their two-point percentage is 66th so they're going to definitely uh, be trying to score inside more than outside they struggle to get to the free throw line they get the ball stolen from them like specific specifically steals are a problem for them hmm. They don't turn the ball over as much with just like loose ball turnovers or just like throwing it out of bounds, but they, a lot of their turnovers are live ball turnovers. So what you're telling me is they're bad at literally everything? No, they're not necessarily bad at all of those things. They're just <laughs> not good at anything. They're, they're very mediocre in most areas. They don't have an identity, but they're, they're just not, they play with a, a fast pace so there's going to be a, quite a few possessions i think and um maybe that just kind of makes their stats yeah. more extreme in either direction so the stuff that they're good at they're pretty decent the stuff they're not they're pretty horrendous uh, they do generate a lot of steals on defense so i think we're going to be looking at a fast pace run up and down the court there's going to be quite a few mistakes a lot of steals uh, a lot of just kind of maybe head scratching plays. Missouri's <laughs> going to need to be, you know, getting those 50 50 balls and uh, crashing the offensive glass. Yeah. Uh, the more I watch Missouri this year, the more and more I realize how important Mitchell Smith and like Kobe Brown are to the team and the energy they bring and the, the rebounds and just kind of the, the fundamentals and the little things they do um, that just weren't there at all against Ole Miss. Um, and seem to show up in the big games. Um, those things, it's like those, those, those kind of plays can't just show up and go away for Missouri to, to win. They have to play that way every single game. And whether or not that's something that's being pumped into their brains by a Conzo or, or something that they can force themselves to do. And I, I, I tend to think that sometimes playing that way really is kind of something you have to be consciously thinking about like mm -hmm. i have to block out mm -hmm. i i have to crash the board here it's not something that naturally that just naturally happens and it kind of just goes along with what the narrative we've been talking about with tonight is just all of the the intangibles that go into the game and so um i, I just those kind of those kind of conscious efforts to do those things have to show up against against georgia uh the only defenses missouri has played this year that are statistically worse than georgia are TCU and Oral Roberts. Obviously, they scored over 100 in overtime against TCU, and they put up 91 in regulation against Oral, Oral Roberts. Hmm. Um, but I think Georgia will be happy to get out and run. Yeah. So it, it could 
I could see it going sideways for Georgia kind of fast. Now, it is a home game for Georgia. Ken Palm just has it as a three-point Missouri win. Uh, they say Missouri wins 62% of the time. I think this is going to be one of those 62% that Missouri wins by much more than three. I think... Uh, Ken Palm has it 78-75. I'm going to add 10 points to the winning team, and I'm going to say Missouri wins this one 88-75. Dang, I hope you're right. Because it would just feel so good to get a couple of good performances in a row. Like It just seems like Missouri doesn't do that. They can win two games back-to-back, but I feel like there's so few games that Missouri plays where I feel good about their performance in consecutive games. Would you say, though, um, I, I think there's been one stretch this year where you could maybe say that. That was a road win against Texas A&M, home against South Carolina, and then winning at Tennessee. Yeah. That's the only stretch where it seemed like Missouri had really put it together, but then they dropped the one to Auburn. Yeah. Oh, we're still man. talking about a team that only has four losses on the season. That's, I mean, that's – yeah. Like that's what I'm saying, though. Like, even when they win, a lot of yeah. the times it just feels like, oh, we just barely squeak by and don't really feel great about it. Yeah. And they just don't seem to really execute well back to back. Also, one one other thing I noticed about Ole Miss was uh, they seem to have, I think, an area they've vastly improved this year. And I'm not really sure if you can quantify this, but just getting the ball up the court quickly, like after a missed shot and like trying to score in transition. They have been doing that so much this year where they just like immediately get the rebound, hit the outlet pass and try and just get a transition bucket, like a, like a two on one or, or whatever it is. And they did not do that against Ole Miss last night at all. And Ole Miss part, just kind of shut it down. Well, and part of the reason why is they are making so many shots. Yeah. It's like whenever the, whenever the other team scores, then that just gives right. you less time to, to get the ball down the court. They're, they're getting set in their defense and yeah. stuff. So that's just another layer of why it's important, important to not let the team score it's because you let them get back in their defense, but it just really seemed like every player that Ole Miss had on the floor was just an absolutely solid, yeah, man-to-man defensive player. That as well, but I think in this game, um, I honestly don't feel great about this game against Georgia. Um, I know that it, I know it probably will be fairly high-scoring. I think there's going to be some sloppiness from both sides. Um, I think Missouri has to get back to trying to score in, tra- in transition. Like there's going to be a lot of missed shots. Just you got to get get the ball out of there quick. Find find the guard and get it down the floor. And because uh, they just have really created so many opportunities for themselves doing that. I man, I don't know. I think this is another coin flip. Personally, um, I I hope that Missouri can can win a game, win a, a good game against Arkansas, and then remember that feeling of like of just treating every game like a must win because we're fighting for a three or four seed or potentially even better Mm. in the NCAA tournament um but I think I think they squeak out a close one against Georgia I think they'll win 73 to 70 yeah I feel a lot better about beating Georgia on the road than I do Arkansas at home and, really? it, and some, it, honestly, it shouldn't matter, but beating Arkansas in Fayetteville earlier in the season is just like, you know, it just doesn't seem like Arkansas is the type of team that you sweep. 
in a season. That makes sense. Um, and I was happy to split with Tennessee. And if you ask me preseason, but give me four teams that you're happy to split with, Arkansas would be one of those. For sure. But since we already won the away the, game. The tough I, one, yeah. I feel like we just always beat Arkansas at home. Yeah. I, for so whatever reason, I feel better about the Arkansas game than I do the Georgia game. But I, but I've got that thing in my head where it's a road yeah. game. Oh, no. Yeah. Road road means nothing in COVID land. It, you, I mean, that's actually a, a good point. It means less than usual. It means less say. than usual. Yeah. All right. Where, where, where are we feeling about Missouri in the NCAA tournament? You still – I mean, I, I still feel like if they – there's a scenario where maybe they don't get all the love from the uh, selection committee when they really break down um, the analytics. And I could see with the way I think the season's going to end. I don't know. When we talk about a a winning streak that they need to get on to really solidify themselves in the the conversation for a three seed or, or a four seed even, um, I just don't see that being there. And that makes me think we're looking at still a five or six seed when if I really was going to place a bet right now, I would place it on a five seed. And I would second option would be a six, not a four. I think I would agree with you on the five. And then I think I would say my second option would be a four. I think that just Missouri's schedule is fairly favorable i mean as favorable as you're going to get in conference season in the power five conference Um, there are opportunities for missouri to win most of their games down the stretch here and they have a fantastic resume i just wish i knew you know what the selection committee is going to really look at i don't are they going to prioritize the resume are they going to prioritize are they just going to go down kim pom and and you know and just rank the teams accordingly if that's the case we're looking at like a six or seven right um because we know that story but I just really, really hope that since we've got humans making decisions, they're just really going to prioritize uh, who did you beat and what's your resume look like and how many quad win quad. Here we go again. Quad one win. Quad one wins. Do you have? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm just checking where Bart Torvik has Missouri right now. They've got Missouri as a six seed. It's going to be really exciting to have a SEC basketball tournament that really matters. Oh yeah, I man. Mean, it seems like. You know, and living in Springfield here, I, I follow Missouri State basketball pretty closely as well. Seems like both of my teams, man, Missouri, Missouri State, just do terribly in their conference tournaments historically. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but yeah, I mean, Missouri's had like literally two good ones in my memory. Like off the top of my head, they won two Big Twelve conference tournaments, and outside of that, like I just remember like getting upset by nebraska or like texas tech in the first round of the um it's so disappointing big 12 tournament and it's it's such a fun time of year too i mean you're just like just the tournament play you've been looking forward to it for a little while now and i mean i just i love the tournament aspect of college basketball it just makes it so much fun and whenever you're the kind of making a, a late run in a tournament that's just something special about that am i wrong if i said missouri beating auburn in overtime in the SEC tournament is their biggest SEC tournament win when it literally meant nothing they had to they were like the, the bottom two seeds I mean honestly it was 100% like the most like fun moment yeah. in the SEC tournament 
I, I don't know if you could say it's their biggest win, but I mean, you you, you might actually be able to. I don't know. Jeez, I feel. I mean, I, I'm trying to go back to like the er, the first couple years in the SEC. I feel like there was an upset where Missouri got bounced early in one of those. Yeah, because the only other year they were um, postseason banned one year. What did they do in that 2012 2013 season? Beat Texas A&M, lost to Ole Miss. Was that Marshall Henderson season? I think so. Man, I barely remember that at all. Yeah, that was Marshall Henderson. Scored 27 points. And then they went on and lost in the first round of Colorado State in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. Man, that was a fun season, but really fizzled out. That just seems like what a lot of Missouri teams do, unfortunately, is we have a, a fun season and then we fizzle out when the game's matter in postseason the next year they got tested in a way they never should have by texas a&m double overtime they won but then got destroyed by florida in the second round of the sec tournament uh then they were they lost in the first round against south carolina they were postseason banned they beat auburn wow in overtime and then lost to ole miss they Man, we lose to Ole Miss a lot. <laughs> Good grief. Michael Porter Jr. Uh, return game against Georgia. Lost that. Beat Georgia, but then lost to Auburn. And then COVID. They were going to win the whole they thing. They were going to win it. They were going to win the whole thing last year. Got canceled. That's like a joke. People Hopefully, people make that joke like 10 years from now, and you assume that it's because their team did bad. You know how you're like, oh yeah, there was no, that was weird when they canceled the 2012 uh, NCAA tournament. And people are like, oh yeah, it's because your team lost in a big upset. But people are gonna say that about COVID and I hope people are like, assume that it's because your team lost in a big upset. But I don't think people are gonna forget COVID anytime soon. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, man, that was kind of a little bit depressing when you just read off all those outcomes. We're going to turn it around. Nothing surprising. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything, although. No, I don't think we were. Yeah. We're going to turn it around. This year. This is the year. This is the year. going to get that protected seed, double buy. Yeah. Mm. At the very least, we're not going to be playing on, what, like Wednesday night? Like yeah. we Isn't that when the tournament starts, the yeah. SEC tournament? Yeah, those bottom four playing Ugh. on Wednesday. It's a long week for those guys. Is that all we got this week for those guys? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think so. That was uh, um, Producer Cameron, you got anything? No. What seed was Missouri going to be? Five. Okay. That's what I said. Wow. Last time. Literally just copying both of our answers. So you said this time? Yeah. Check the tape. We both said five last week. Five Nick Boltons. Yeah. I think I said six last week. And he said four. And yeah. I said five. Oh, so. okay. He's strong in his convictions. I'll give yep. him that. <laughs> yep. All right, everybody. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod at Big Cartel. Missouri Sports Pod dot Big Cartel dot com. Also, if you've got any dry hand remedies, throw those in the YouTube comments for Kyle. He'll appreciate Thank that. Thank you very much. Uh, my grandpa always used to rub this stuff on that is made for um, cows' hooves. 
but he said it make it's a great moisturizer. So I'll try to get you a link for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.